Hello and welcome to episode two of Holsch Fidelity. This week, we're diving into the world of one of the most iconic and unpredictable bands in the alternative rock scene. Meet Weezer, the musical geniuses who, despite their best efforts, have been rocking the world with a peculiar mix of self-deprecating humour and infectious melodies since the dawn of the 90s. From their debut self-titled Blue Album to the confessional Pinkerton, Weezer's music has been a roller coaster of emotions with a side of humour that's as irresistible as their unforgettable hooks. Whether you're a long-time fan or just discovering their music, today's episode is your backstage pass to the world of Weezer. Now, for this very special episode, I have a mate that is one of the biggest influences on me over the last decade when it comes to evolving my music repertoire. We both share an absolute affinity for list making and his taste, I promise you now, when it comes to any aspect of pop culture or even alcohol for that matter, I welcome <laughs> Ryan Chippy Pierce. How are we, mate? Always the defender, number one, reporting for duty. Um, I'm very well. Thank you, Holsh. It is great to be here. And I'm honoured to be uh, asked to talk about uh, a band that means so much to me, Weezer. Oh, mate. The affection you've shown for this band over the years, like just generally on social media, and you're proud. You're a proud Weezer man. Absolutely, mate. I, I, will, um, I will die on the hill that Weezer Blue is the greatest album ever released. It is, it was, it's such an important uh, record to me. It was one of the first CDs I ever purchased with my own money. And it, it, I, I just listened to this from front to back thousands of times. I don't think I've ever listened to another piece of music more than the Blue Album. Yeah. Uh, it means a, a lot to me. And not just uh, their first album. They, they obviously branched out and, and did something a little bit different with Pinkerton. Um, but, yeah, no, very, very meaningful, uh, meaningful band for me. So why does Weezer mean so much to you, mate? Um, it was around the time of, well, I was in early high school, uh, year eight or nine, when they released Blue, and I had been, for a few years before that, obsessed with recording Rage uh, late at night <laughs> to get, especially Saturday nights, to get the guest programmer and all of their taste. And I think this is where my my addiction for forming lists may have been created yeah. by... Um, by, by seeing these incredible local Australian and international guests on Rage rattling off their favourite songs and film clips. And one that really stood out that I saw was the, the film clip for Buddy Holly. Mm. And, you know, I, I instantly recognised that there were, there were pop harmonies there, which is something that I've never really been drawn to besides someone like Prince, and I'm going on a tangent now. Mm. I have always been drawn to music with an edge. So even from a young age, I liked heavy rock music, started off with Guns N' Roses, and then I went into punk, got heavily into punk and, and metal, and then into hardcore rap music. But something about Weezer really grabbed me, despite the pop leanings, and I think it was also the music behind it. And Rivers just absolutely wails on that axe, and I could just get this combination of the things I liked with it with a pop, se- a pop sensibility. And just just loved it. The, the, the guitars were heavy, but the, the melodies were were, were, were tender. Um, you could just tell that Rivers was a massive rock fan from the get-go. So, yeah, so Rivers, Rivers Cuomo, obviously lead singer, and like how essential is he in the overall scheme of the band? Like Obviously, they had their original four members, and I think they've changed a couple of times or not? Yeah, there's been a few. I think, um, uh, was it Matt the bassist? 
yeah. I believe his name was. He left uh, temporarily, I think, post Pinkerton and has a side project, which he still has, and that has come back back and forth to the band a couple of times. But it, it, it is a band that is definitely driven by, by Rivers, both lyrically and musically. And, yeah, it's... <laughs> Looking, doing a bit of research for this for this pod, it made me. Um, I knew what the lyrics are, right? I know every word to every song for at least the first three or four albums. However, wow, wow. when you sing them subconsciously, right, without diving into <laughs> what they're actually saying, mm. when you actually start to dive into what they're saying, there's a lot of <laughs> I'll call it a bit incel core. Is is a bit of a uh, a horny a horny oh, nerd who. Yeah. Didn't really get his way a lot with women, by the sounds of it. So some of it is a bit troubling. I am, I am, I'm not one to shy away from controversy, but there's a, there's a little bit of ick in a few of these lyrics. But you know what? I still stand by them. When we speak about one of uh, my tracks anyway later, there's some of that ick might expose itself because it sort of directly rolls into what that that song is talking about. But Rivers seemed to live a, a pretty interesting life from just some things that I remember hearing about was when he was born, his dad was at home watching the Soccer World Cup because it was more important than Rivers' birth. Oh, uh, well, I never knew that. Yeah. That, that is, uh, that's new to me. <laughs> his, his, old, his old man, Frank. And, and then Frank also said that he was named after um, three soccer players that were playing in the World Cup at that time that sort of had River as part of their name. So... You know, he came into oh, this wow. world. Yeah, and then he lived in a Buddhist Zen community or something along those lines for a number of years. So he didn't go to school or anything to like public school till 11 years old. So back in those days, it was all about Cat Stevens and the Beatles. But then when he got to high school, um, Kiss, I believe, took over. Is that? Yeah, big, big Kiss fan. Kiss and Cheap Trick are the, are the two that, I mean, Kiss gets name dropped within songs and in a lot of early interviews with, with Rivers, but I hear a lot of Cheap Trick as well in, in their in their music, and it, it comes through. And even a little bit of, like, like there's this metal flourishes, and that sounds weird yeah. saying that about about Weezer, right? But some of these riffs are so chunky, and, and Rivers just loves to wail on, on that guitar, man. Like, he, he can really play when he wants to. Even back in when he was in eighth grade, like he turned into a metalhead then purely because some band in his school was playing Quiet Riot and all the girls were going crazy. So he was like, well, if the girls love hey. this, then I'm a metalhead. Hey. Like, so. there's, there's a pattern there. There's a, definitely a pattern yeah. there. Rivers, Rivers likes to appeal to the, to the ladies. Yeah. Um, I think it was difficult for him because uh, obviously he had his, his issues with his leg earlier in life. Uh, what was that? Uh, something like he, one leg was noticeably shorter than the other. Yeah, um, I think it was like four, two, two to four inches or something. It was something ridiculous, which is incredible. The, the thing that I've always always said about Weezer in their in their first two albums, which is obviously their two most iconic and critically well regarded albums, is that I always saw, especially now in hindsight. Blue Album is basically Weezer's Nevermind, and Pinkerton is there in utero, is how I've always kind of described it to people, right? So the first, the debut for a major label was slickly produced, and it had big hits, and, and, you know, it it was such a monolith, like a massive thing to live up to, and then they followed them up, both Nirvana and and Weezer, with these albums that were just really personal and troubled and... Mm. um, you know, touched on the trappings of fame, 
and they were both critically panned by to a certain extent and confused they really confused the audience mm. um but yeah it's 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 pretty pretty incredible to see the the, the rise of um of Weezer so quickly um because they didn't have a, a an album before blue album land like like that with the debut was just incredible mm. and it's funny you mentioned nirvana because they ended up turning into probably their number one influence around that time he was working in a record store just after he got out of school and some gentleman that he was working with that he he really admired said you got to listen to this song it's uh it's called sliver by some band called nirvana and apparently that that song changed his life and uh, I, I think he even quotes somewhere that sliver to him is what smells like teen spirit is to the rest of the the population so nirvana and, and the oh, pixies well, I'd, I'd never i'd yeah, he's, he, I, I heard never it actually. knew that. Yeah, yeah. So Slither okay. is his like that was his life changing moment hearing that, and wow. um, yeah. So the Pixies were also massive to them, and this was yep. something else that he uh, quoted was that the sweater song is meant to be a direct Pixies rip off. Well, not rip off, but they were, they were basically trying to be the Pixies when they, they played that song, the Sweater song. Okay. Well, it, it sits in that Pixies realm of quiet, loud, quiet, loud, which, yeah. which the Pixies kind of um, uh, perfected. And look, the Pixies, they just influenced everybody in the indie music scene for so, so long. I mean, Kurt Cobain himself is on the record of saying he's just uh, trying to rip off the Pixies and the Melvins. So, it's you know... They um they just influenced so many people and yeah I, I I never heard that that fact about um Sliver though mm. I mean it makes a lot of sense it makes a ton of sense uh, you can you can hear it straight away you know uh, Rivers and Weezer just had that that kind of cleanness to them they weren't as 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 dirty yes. or grimy as the grunge acts which I think turned a lot of grunge fans away from them but then once they heard the riffs I think it brought a lot of people in as well yeah I just found here a quote from him just after he'd heard Sliver and he said as this is Cuomo as soon as I heard mum and dad went to a show I immediately started dancing around it was exactly how I felt and they were putting it to music it inspired me to do the same thing Dad went to a show It dropped me off at Grandpa Joe's I kicked and screamed So please Such a great song Yeah, so, you know, they, they had well, such a very That makes a ton of sense they've, they've had pretty great influences right through their life even, But very... Great variety, diversity with all of it. And you can tell they've sort of got a bit of a mix through a lot of their songs. You know, there's some even areas a bit Beach Boysy, Massively. And there's a lot of 60s girls group kind of melodies in their stuff too. Hand claps and woo-woos, all that kind of stuff in the background. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. it, and that that was unheard of in, in indie rock because everyone was trying to be so masculine and tough a lot of the time in the late 90s early 2000s and then in the early 90s it was all really introspective grunge and you know they just they stood out as being so different they wore their influences on their sleeve Mm. but they were just their own thing yeah in a a time where 
domination by you know Nirvana, Soundgarden, Stone Temple Pilots, Alice in Chains. But then Weezer was yep. the the black sheep. Um, well, the dorky, the dorky yeah. kid that sat in the library at lunchtime, basically. Yeah, the geek. You know, rock. They, were, they were the they were the dorky kids <laughs> that that took their influences and 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 read comic books and, and sat in the in the library, <laughs> um, but still but still rocked out. Uh, and that's what I loved about them, you know. And if, if we want to get on to like Pinkerton, I, Pinkerton is is a huge deal for me because when I first bought that album, I was like other people. I was thinking, okay, what what is this? I I, I liked it. I didn't love it immediately. As soon as I, I played the Blue album, it, it just stuck. It was instantly an all time favorite. Pinkerton has has developed and revealed itself to me over the years, but you know, it, it was such a daring move away from what they had done which you know had made them a household name you know the blue album it had that formula to a degree and then yeah pinkerton just came out so much raw and very 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 personal yeah introspective it was funny you know like looking at it now when i listen to to pinkerton and and it, it being so much darker than the blue album the, the only real exception is el scorcho right that that's seems like to me the one kind of uh, i mean it's even got some darker edge to the lyrics a little bit, but it, it seems like the one light song mm-hmm. on the album. I, I can't help but feel sometimes now when I listen to it that it was almost maybe a tacked on or, or shoehorned in as a, as the quirky single for release. Yeah. Like maybe the label, maybe the label heads heard Pinkerton and were like, "What the fuck is this? Like, well, where, what are you guys doing? And where's Buddy Holly 2.0? Like, well, yeah. what he's done." Yep. You know, and and because I listen to it now, and I've listened to Pinkerton not almost as much as Blue Album, but it really our Scorcho stands out now as as being mm. different to the rest of the album. Yeah, it doesn't quite fit. No, mate. No, and it, it's funny. Like I still, I still respect and like that song, but it's definitely on the bottom of of my list of favorite songs on that album. It is at the mm. very bottom. Yeah. yeah so you know. Pinkerton now, thankfully, has, has you know since been rightfully uh, reassessed and reclaimed as as a misunderstood classic. Now, actually, you cannot. I don't want to give them too much credit. You probably give Pitchfork Media a bit of credit for that too, because I've been I've been championing the album personally to me and my friends group, which is a very small cluster of people, uh, for a long time. That it that its merits are almost. That the high points of Pinkerton are almost as high as, as the Blue Album, but I remember there was a really good article on Pitchfork years ago where they reassessed classics and I think they upped their score from a six point something originally to like a nine point seven or something. Oh wow! Um, and I know those kind of ratings are you know kind of here nor there, but I think that basically opened up the audience again for for new people and for a new generation that hadn't really looked into it. Well, that sums up the the critics at the time as well. Like the critics panned it like badly, and yeah, to Pitchfork's um, credit for them to turn around and go, you know what, we screwed up here. This is this yep. deserves a lot more praise and um, you know the cult status that it, it deserves. So before we jump into our top five, just one last little thing: their first gig, right? This, mm. I just find this so interesting. So I'm not going to read it. This is just from what I, I've recalled. They decided that they were going to write, I don't know, it's like 50 or 55 good songs or something first because Rivers was never happy with his band and changing and shuffling and he had all sorts of lineups previous to this. And anyway, they finally got this, this band together and he'd written about 30 songs, 35 songs, but still no, no band name. 
And, okay. And they got to 30 songs and then they just got antsy. So they said, no, nah, fuck it, let's start playing live. I'm, I, can't, I can't wait to write another 20 songs. Let's start. So they just started calling around. And that's quite, a, that's quite a catalogue already, right? So they, he's already pumped out quite a bit of um, – oh, yeah. Quite a few songs before they've even taken the stage. That's impressive. I, I never, I'm, I had no idea about this. Keep yeah. I, I'm intrigued. So they just started calling around, calling around, and and back in those days, you basically had to pay to play. If if you had no cred, like no hit songs or anything published before, and at this stage, this band had zero tracks published, then yep. you had to pay money to get onto the stage, and then you try and basically self-promoted as well to get it get some uh folks to come and watch you but anyway they called and called and they refused to do that it, it was part of his motto was not nah, i'm not paying for someone to come and watch me and eventually on this one day they called around and this venue had signed uh what's uh keanu reeves first band dog star Oh, Dogstar Dog Man Star. or something like that? Or yeah. was it just Dogstar? I think it's just Dogstar. But anyway, Dogstar yep. was, was playing. Was there a Phoenix in that band too? I don't know. I've got a, I've got a weird feeling. I don't know. Sorry, but anyway, so Dogstar got um, rolled into play. This was, um, you know, they just got together and, and this, this venue had Dogstar come into play. But they only lined it up a couple of days before and there was no publicity for it, so they were, you know, trying to rummage up what they can. They had no support bands, and Rivers just had happened to have talked to them, and they said, "Oh, look, uh, Dogstar are playing at ours tonight. Will you, you want to come and play as a support act?" So they were like, "Yep, yep, yep, yep." And then he said on the phone, "Well, what's what's your band name?" And he's like, "Shit, we haven't got a name yet." Basically, on the spot, he's he's called the band Weezer, which was the name that his, his dad, Frank, his biological dad, had called him when he was a kid, Weezer. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Okay. It was off um, the Little Rascals movie, um, but the old one. I think there was one in the yep, 80s. Yeah, the the, there, there was the original yeah. one, yep. Well, you're a, you're a film buff, so you probably... So I, th- I think it was like in the 50s. So Weezer was River's childhood nickname, and then he stuck with it. And then after he got off the phone, he spoke to the boys, and they had some other names. I forget, some, they were all atrocious so they stuck with Weezer but anyway they, they turned up and there was another bit support band first then Dogstar came on um, and they had quite a crowd and they actually played Weezer last on the on this first this is their first gig they played last and that was a headliner so no but this is the thing back then they were, <laughs> this wasn't the headline it was more like they would came on to fill the late hours okay so everyone was there to watch Keanu and yep. Rivers was there going, holy cow, look at all the women here, all these great-looking women. Uh, this is going to be the greatest night ever. And then, a theme. Is that, is that horny geek again, man? Is oh, that man. horny geek again? And oh, anyway, yeah. so Keanu, uh, Dogstar finish, and they're starting to unpack, and everyone leaves apart from his 17 mates or their, the group's 17 mates that they'd rummaged up and apparently like three or four others. So there was like 21 people watching them at the end of the night. But they still rocked out, went berserk. But, yeah, their first ever gig rolled in, played after Dogstar, didn't have a a name at like 5 o'clock that afternoon. They named themselves and then uh, went and rocked up and played this this gig and that's, that's how wow. they started. Wow, I never knew that story, man. I'm a massive 
fan. And I, but for some reason, I've never really dived into the history like that. That's that is really really incredible. And what an iconic name to come up with. You know, that, that that is awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, I know. Actually, I just actually just in my notes here, it's at Raji's, and Raji's was the, so that's the name of the club, and it's also the cover photo on Sliver, uh, the single by Nirvana. Is, oh wow! Is a picture of that club. What, a, what an incredible uh, connection that is. But yeah, absolutely. what do you reckon? Should we should we jump into our five? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Now, I've purposely kept this secret from you. I wanted, I know. To, I wanted to shock. I wanted to shock the jock. <laughs> I wanted to shock the DJ with some of my random ramblings. No, so, I'm, yes, I'm, oh, that's, I'm, I'm so keen. I'm so keen. All right, mate. Well, let's start with your number five. Hit me. All right. Well, I'm going to, before I start the five, I'm going to do two honourable mentions. Yep. There were two that were really tough cuts for me. First one was Why Bother from Pinkerton. Yeah. Uh, it's just got this massive, big, stomping chorus. Why bother? It's gonna hurt me. It's gonna kill when you deserve me. This to me twice Again, in a theme with the, the lyrics in Pinkerton, despite sounding fun, it is quite a dark song. Isn't that just um, a Weezer I, trait, though? Sounds fun. It, it dark is. Dark as shit. It is. It's um, definitely showed itself on a couple of songs on Blue, and then it was just throughout, throughout Pinkerton, whereas it's kind of stopped in Green Album. What, what, I'm going on another tangent, I'm sorry, but yeah, right. the Green Album basically came about, in my eyes, from them being bullied so much by audiences and critics because of Pinkerton. They thought, we need to do a Blue Album 2.0, mm. and it's really kind of sad um that way that that, that they got kind of uh um pushed off their path but um but anyway that's that's a different story Mm. so yeah my two honorable mentions will be one will be why bother and the second and this killed me to cut out of the five is surf wax usa the opening to that song instantly just screams california it just sounds like california you know modern modern surf rock bands like waves and surfer blood they should they should probably send 50% of all their uh, Spotify royalties <laughs> directly to Weezer. Like, they, that is ground zero for those bands, right? But mm. on the flip side of that, like, the song, and you said it before too, Hulsh, that that song sounds like uh, Beach Boys through a Ramones filter. Um, you know, so, and it's just such a great track. So it's just a, a fun, propulsive pop song. And Rivers is really in the zone on that song. He can just pump out those holiday vibes uh, in his sleep. No, it makes me want to go surfing, and I can't fucking surf. So there you go. It, it, it does something to you. Yeah, all their early concerts, that was the, that was the encore finisher for all their gigs. I can tell but, why. Yeah. The, I can tell why yeah. it finishes hard yeah, and fast. because it, it has that slow hard. piece, about two-thirds, and then they just come back out. Full yep. steam, yeah. No, absolutely. So they're my two uh, HMs, my honourable mentions, and yeah, um, cutting go. them was like um, yeah, <laughs> choosing between my kids. So number five. So I didn't want to be all normy and do a Stocko five where it was just, and I could have, and I should have maybe um, done just songs from Blue Album. Um, and then I didn't want to just do Blue Album and Pinkerton, so I decided that I wanted to include a song from the Green Album. Number five. So number five is Photograph from the oh, Green Album. I love this song. This was in the running for mine, 
Yeah. yeah. I'm so glad to hear that, dude, because I feel like this is probably the most slept on underrated Weezer track there is. It sounds um, like a sing like it sounds like a hit. But it just oh, it's, it just it's went under the radar. Absolutely, you know, and it's on an album which they tried to reclaim that magic of the of the debut, right? So this is, and in doing so, this is the song that sounds most like it would belong on Blue, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I could I could see this song being on the Blue album, right? And you know, it kicks off with the you know the typical Rivers like chunky guitars, and then the hand claps come in, and the <laughs> '60s girl group, ooh. ooh. <laughs> Oh, baby. All that stuff comes mm. in. It's just two minutes of pure, like, melancholy pop music bliss. And, look, if a song's got hand claps or, or a cowbell, I am in. I'm invested in it if it has hand claps and cowbell. When, I'm so glad to hear that, man, because, yeah. you know, I, I obviously talking to other friends of mine that are Weezer fans, that, that you know, the Green Album had, had quite a few good songs on it, and it was their last good album, really, um, from yeah. front to back. Uh, and that's just a standout. It only goes for two minutes and ten seconds, but it is an absolute, absolute bop. Love that song. So that's yeah. my number five, Photograph. If you want it, you can have it. You gotta learn to reach out there and grab it Cause everybody wants to love Shoot it from the stars above And though my heart will break There's more than I can take I can never get enough If you need it Okay, well, number five Number five for me Now this one is probably a uh, nostalgia Hit or not a hit, but nostalgia pick from me because I still love it just as much as when it came out. It's very, I think it's very basic in structure, but it has that time machine effect for me. It takes me back to some great times back in the nineties, and it's in the garage. So from the Blue Album, I think it's like love this song, man. This is such a good song. Yeah, it just it transports me back to one of my mates, uh, Scott Whitby. Uh, he was a lead guitarist in the the Battle of the Bands, and they they won the Battle of Bands a couple of years in a row. And we used to, you know, when his parents were away, you know, we'd sneak around, get the bourbon out. Hate bourbon now, but no way, uh, no, really. Uh, I, I went never, from bourbon to rum said. to scotch. <laughs> I need. <laughs> well, I, let, are, you, are you at scotch now? That, that's the most important thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm scotch actually, now. But oh, good, uh, I'm having one as we speak. So that's good. <laughs> that's good, mate. But, I, had to calm, I had to calm the podcast. Uh, virginity nerves yeah well i I probably um drank pretty cheap bourbon though to be fair back then um (laughs) but yeah we'd sneak around there and we'd sit in his garage and he would just play tunes and you know we'd have a drink or you know whatever else was on offer and and um you know (laughs) we'd we'd sing and you know that there'd be the wheezers and the radio heads and 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 the like and this song like to me it, it it's all about being in that that sanctuary that you love, like forget the rest of the world. This is this is what we love, or I love, and I don't care what anyone else thinks. This is this is it, and and it does, and it just reminds me of that real those special times where we were just didn't have a care in the world, singing away, having a drink. Absolutely, man. And this this song just evokes an instant nostalgia. I remember thinking when I first heard this song as a 14, 15 year old kid 
that it was a nostalgic sounding song. Like, I mean, I started to, you know, attach this song to, to memories that were predate this song. So that's a really good description of it, man. Like it's not only did you, does it evoke nostalgia for you? You've got a really good place and where it, where it takes you. Um, it's, it's a fantastic track. And it's, it's, it, it hits the, all the dork notes again. Like the, the, I'm just going to read the first, first verse. I've got a Dungeon Master's Guide. I've got a 12-sided die. I've got Kitty Pride and Nightcrawler 2 waiting there for me. Yes, I do. <laughs> like, how good is that? How Such about- <laughs> a fucking dork, man. I love him. Oh, dude. So that's my five. So, number four, Chippy. Number four. All right. My number four comes from Pinkerton, and it is The Good Life. (laughs) Uh, This is a track Can I I stop uh, you there? Can I stop you there? Because my number four is The Good Life. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) We're we're syncing up already. Oh, man. Check it out. That's unbelievable. That's so good. I will... We'll just riff on this together, then, man. So we'll uh, we'll rip through this. Um, it look, it's a song that directly um, refers to um, you know Rivers' um, leg surgery and the fallout from it. Like he, there's mm. there's a lyric in it without an old man cane of falling hit the ground or something like that. Like it's it, it's a it's a bitter song, <laughs> but made in that typical Weezer pop anthem style. You know, it fills people into thinking it's a fun pop song for the most part with the with, with some goofy lyrics. And I love the breakdown in it too. And, and there's a real real darkness to the song as well. And the thing I love about it is just a great sing-along song for the car. Like the amount of times I've belted this out on the way to and from work is – I can't count it. Like it, it just absolutely goes off. I, I love The Good Life. Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm very happy to hear it's uh, your number four as well. What's yeah. your uh, what's your thoughts on it, mate? Yeah, I, I always think of it as like it's the fuck it song. Like, you know what? Yep. Fuck it. I'm going to have a good time. And there's a few other little uh, quirks with it because at Harvard, so that that was up. That was between obviously this has happened between the Blue Album and releasing Pinkerton, and so he had the leg surgery and he's gone to Harvard, I believe, during this period. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that that was my take of it. And what else I've sort of, when I've dug deep is that there was a period there, like after the Blue Album, he didn't know how to interact with women very well. And you don't say. Yeah, you, you wouldn't <laughs> believe it. So the story goes that he was, after a gig, in his room, like backstage and having some drinks or, you know, whatever, the band's there, and there was all these these girls there, all the groupies sort of hanging around, and he just went, nah, fuck it. Everyone, leave, unless you get on the bed and get naked. And so there was, I think there was like around 20 girls, and, and they all left, apart from four girls, jumped on. And, Good uh, strike rate when you think about it. The percentage there, that's, that's not bad. Yeah, really. one in five hit rates, not you know, better <laughs> than. And um, oh, so good. this was the start, and he was like, wow, you know, I can have these women because – I'm a star, and 
it sort of led to a point where after concerts, he would have like band members just go and sort of talk to the girls and go, oh, look, you, you know, do you want to sleep with Rivers? And he, there was a site created called Rivers El Pervo. And girls that had had interactions with Rivers after concerts had put up all these posts about what had happened, you know, some had slept with him, some hadn't, and, and all the rest. And the, the checklist, Rivers' checklist, this is, how they, this is how they quoted it. Rivers would ask how old you are, then stare. Then Which, to be honest, is, is the absolutely perfect and only right choice of first question. <laughs> that is the absolute, you have to, uh, unless, yeah. you, you know, you have to ask that question first. So good for him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's good. Good start. Continue. <laughs> then he will caress your cheek or hair, run his finger. Okay, now it's creepy. Now yeah, it's creepy. Run his finger along your shoulder, act interested in your life, tell you that you are so beautiful, hug you <laughs> for a really long time, and then ask you to sleep with him. So what happened okay. was this all came out and apparently <laughs> this, this dude's <laughs> obviously played so much Dungeons and Dragons, man. <laughs> no, that is the worst that has, he has zero game, zero game. <laughs> but yeah, but oh, I mean, obviously, man. it still worked from time to time, oh, sure. and because yeah, of who sure. he was. But this, when this site came out, I think it affected him a bit, and um, and that's when he he went to Harvard, and at the same time, he got the, first he got the leg operation. So while he was at Harvard, he's like on a crutches, big beard, no one knew who he was. And he also told himself he wasn't going to have sex for two years at that point. He has another celibacy stint later on, but yep. for two years. So in this song, when anyone out there that reads the lyrics, it just shows how much he's like, like he's seeing these hot college girls and he's craving it, but he's, he's you know, he's made this vow. And um, my favourite lyrics says, okay, screw this crap, I've had it, I ain't no Mr. Cool. I'm a pig, I'm a dog, so excuse me if I drool. I ain't going to hurt nobody, ain't going to cause a scene. I just need to admit I want sugar in my tea. Hear me? Hear me? <laughs> I want sugar in my tea. But he's just Such kept- great lyrics, man. And it's and spoken like a true guy has gone from dork to rock star hero <laughs> in the blink of an eye. Like the Life just changed for this dude so quickly and all he could think about was... <laughs> Was was women? <laughs> that's all he. That's all he wanted, you know. And he could, and he was still doing it wrong, uh, except for asking for age at the start. But he, he, yeah, that is just that is just so funny, man. Um, there, there was so much controversy getting around about that El Pervo stuff back in the day. There was a few like weird things that came out of it, a few sus things that came mm. out of it. But some of his uh, some of his lyrics even before then, um, and I'm going to touch on that at number three. Uh, definitely allude to the fact that some of those stories probably had some, some truth to them. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll just play a little bit of Good Life now and before we rock into our number threes. Excuse the bitchin' 
that was the good life. Absolute thumper. Number three. Now, let's hope we don't have the same number three, two, and one. Number three. Yeah, that would be uh, awkward and would make for bad radio. So uh, let's hope we've got some differences here. I think we do. I think we do. Yeah, yeah. Um, Number three comes from the Blue Album. And look, it's a very straightforward track uh, musically, Mm -hmm. uh, but it is one of the more interesting lyrically and vocally, and it is no one else from Uh, the Blue Album. Number three. Or as I like to call it, um, the Controlling Boyfriend song. Uh, This is... (laughs) Prime Nerdcore. Uh, it, it basically is a song about him being insecure in his relationships, paranoid to the point of calling off relationships because he thinks that his partner is uh, more interested or finds other people funnier than him. And it's hard to describe why I love the song so much because it's just always been. But when I first when I first listened through the Blue Album, probably the first five or six times, I distinctly remember thinking this was my favourite song on the whole album for a long, long time. It doesn't remain that way, spoiler, but it's still up there. I just love this track. It, it's, I think a lot of it is the way Rivers sings that last chorus. There's a real like desperation in his voice in that last chorus. The first chorus and the first few verses are just him being quite almost monotone. Yeah. And then that last, that last chorus, and he just belts it out and... You know, going over the lyrics and what we've just said before with, with the um, El Pervo stuff, um, some, some of these lyrics suggest um, there are things that were going on that were pretty sus as far as, you know, trying to control his partners and things like that. But, you know, it, it's such an incredible track. And, again, it was a, a one of these formative songs for me, not only listening to it like that, but I saw a live clip of this, and I can't remember where I saw it. It was either on Rage. It might have been on Recovery. Or, or something back in the day where they played this track live and it was just incredible, a real energy to it. And, yeah, so No One Else is my, my third favourite Weezer, Weezer song. getting excited now getting to the getting to the uh, tail end of the list i know so my number three and once again soft blue album and i'm no no apologies at all it's surf wax america which you had as an honorable mention so look this track just makes me feel bloody awesome a chorus is oh man pure oh man joy and you um, take your car to work (laughs) oh this man it just pumps man it's just so good yeah and and like i said earlier like they played this last in the their original concerts for a reason it's high energy it's you know it's going to get you revved up and the 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 lyrics are you know quite straightforward not 
anything crazy, but even there, um, the one interesting fact with this is none of the band had ever surfed before they released it. Oh, wow. So... Well, they managed to fill everybody. That's that's incredible. Well, most people think that the surfing is actually the music. So all of a sudden, they're they're recording, they've got their art, and they're they're playing this new life where they're recording music and they're travelling and they're touring and, and they just went, you know what? This has just come out of nowhere. I'm not working anymore. I'm surfing, which is... I'm going to play gigs and and just float along and play my music. Uh, like, yeah, there's no right. way. There's no way I can go back to a working life because this this is me. You know, this this, this surfing metaphor. So when I listen to it that way, it, it inspires me too. Because in my life, I did engineering for 26 years and I made a change. I went surfing, but in my case, nice. it was it was. Um, you know, sports events and, and things I'm really passionate about and making podcasts about music. So Surf Wax America, for me, you know, it, it really sort of says get out there and do what you love. Like that's that's my interpretation. That's awesome. That is it, I, I just love this song so much and it felt like shit to leave it out of my top five. <laughs> um, I'm so glad it's in yours. I had a hunch it would be. Um it's just so much fun. It really is. And it's probably, you know, despite me picking five in front of it, if I was to show an absolute noob, somebody who had never heard Weezer before and, and give them a listen to something to see if they would really like it, to try and kick off an obsession for them, it'd mm-hmm. probably be this song. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it the the chorus is really easy to grab hold of and, and run with. So I can see that. It's got that breakdown. It's got such good melodies in it. Like it's just, yeah, it's just an incredible track. But then you got um, Buddy no, Holly no. as well, which is. <laughs> that was the song that hooked me and, and nearly, you know, most other <laughs> yeah. um, day one uh, Weezer fans. But what the funny thing with that too, Holsh, is that when I listen to the Blue Album now and look, every single song on that album is basically, and I'm being biased because of, you know, my feelings for the album, but every, I feel like every song on that album is a 10 out of 10. There is not one bad song on that album. Mm. However, if I was to honestly rank them now, Buddy Holly would be towards the bottom of my rankings on that particular album. Not mm. to say it's a shit song. It's a fucking great song. Exactly. But, you know, that's just how strong that album is. And there's that's why it's not surprising that, you know, the majority of, you know, your five and probably my five are, uh, are blue album tracks. Mm. Well, we'll just play, I'll play a bit of um, Surf Wax American now, including the chorus, just so everyone uh, that hasn't heard it before can stop what they're doing and then go and add it to all their playlists. Here it is. See, it's foaming like a bottle of beer. The wave is coming, but I ain't gonna fear. I'm waxing down to that glory of Waxing down because it's really a blast. Because I don't like the face I'm in and out because I hate the race I ride to run and run and run in the lanes I'm going surfing, I'm going surfing Man, now we're getting to the absolute upper echelon of uh, Weezer. We're up to number two. Now, I'm really... 
So, as we said at the beginning of this episode, Chippy did not tell me any of his five, and I'm just fascinated now at this point of the game. So, hit me with your number number two, mate. Number two. Well, it's uh, it's bombshell time, baby. Ooh. All right. So, so I um, I like to do the unexpected. I like to be unpredictable. Right. So, um. For a long, 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 long time, this was my all-time favourite Weezer song. It has been recently overtaken, and when I say recently, probably in the last, say, 10 years. Right. That's a shame, my age, right. really. Um, and I still consider this song to be the greatest song released in its year of release, which was 1994. Mm. My number two mm. song is Say It Ain't So from the Blue Album. Okay, I was expecting this at okay, one. I can so. hear you doing the math. I can hear you doing the math. Thinking, <laughs> What's he got at number one? What's number one? Oh. Well, you're going to have to wait, Hulsh. You're going to have to wait. Um, I did not expect look, this. this <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought it was a curveball. And, I, and, and again, I'm not just, I, I'm not just doing this um, to be contrarian. Because like I said, this is still, I do yearly lists. I'm such a list fucking dork. I've got lists for everything. But in my list for 1994, this is still my number one song that was released that year. From any band, from any artist. It is such an incredible song. You know, that, that shout along emotional release chorus just hits you every oh, time. So good. Um, the, the Dear Daddy just, one. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's just incredible. When it breaks down into that, it's and it's the song on blue, which I reckon hinted at the possible direction of a lot of songs on Pickerton. Mm. I think it, it has that little bit more maturity and darkness to it. So, you know. That the highlights are, are, are many, um, right from the, the the kind of meandering intro, right through probably you know that that soaring riff that kicks off at like three minutes something, just gives me goosebumps. Yeah. Uh, and like I said a couple of times earlier, it's it's when Rivers really just lets loose and just wails on the axe, man. It's just incredible. It just it still just gives me goosebumps hearing it, and you can really hear Rivers like his inner metalhead coming out in that moment through a really emotional, almost ballad type of track, right? Yeah. So yeah. It's, just, it's, uh, it's got to be one close to one of their most emotional songs. And some of the lyrics it, in it are oh, incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Like, even it, what you it, said it, earlier, like with uh, no one else and, you know, the good life and all the rest, like the fact that he struggled with so many things in life, but he actually put it all out there for everyone to hear, like, you know, and it, – in yeah. some cases, it's, it's it's the women and, and so forth. But, you know, in this case, it's a lot of family trauma and heartbreak. And, and he's, just, he's just really open with his lyrics, man. Like, he, he's, you know, and I think he uses – and, look, I am I am massively guilty of this, of of using humour as a as a mechanism, right, yeah. <laughs> as a way to deflect trauma and, and to, and to um, make yourself feel better is, is self-deprecation. Like, there's so many um, self-deprecating lyrics through through all of these songs, right? You know, mm. he, he's openly saying that he's a jerk. He's openly saying that he's a, he's a, a nerd, you know. And, and, but this one here, it just had such a maturity. Say it ain't so, it was such a mm. mature song, you know. And it, it, it stands out from the blue album not the blue album's cheesy but there's a lot of fun on the blue album as well as there's you know there's there's dark tinges to the lyrics but this is just such a incredible song and it's it is my favorite song from this album well that gives away that uh number one will not be 
from the Blue Album then. Maybe. Well, it's impossible if that's your (laughs) favourite. That's it. (laughs) We'll move on to my number two. I'm looking forward to this. This one has me stumped. I've been been doing some mental gymnastics (laughs) trying to figure out what it is. So uh, hit me with it. Okay, so my number two is probably... You know, it's it's not out there or anything, but once again, I just can't get enough of it. I still think it's one of the greatest album openers of all time. My, oh, yes. my name is Jonas. Now, oh, dude. Now, for me, like, this has just an angry energy to it. And the funny thing is I love songs that build, right? But this song yep. builds, but it starts exploding from the beginning. But then it just it continues to roar even louder by the end, which I think is so unique in itself. So Rivers Cuomo in this is really pissed off with the system and, you know, people going to work and people being screwed over and, you know, and just copying it. Yeah, it's their, it's their fuck capitalism song. That's exactly it's right. Their, it's, it, it's, it's a punk song that is, is in a pop, pop rock kind of realm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's you, got, you nailed that. It's got just the most chugging power chords, you know, right from the get-go. Yeah, apparently it all stemmed from um, his brother. Uh, I forget. His, he, had, he had some funny name as well, like Leaves or something. His brother had an insurance or a car accident or something, and the insurance didn't come through for him and just left him screwed. And a lot of the lyrics is um, talking about, you know, my name is Jonas, where it, 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 it's saying, you know, oh, look, we're really sorry, we couldn't help you, but, you know, that's the way it is. And then from there, he's sort of, as a brother, he's wanted to help. One lyric that I just wanted to mention in it, um, it's my yep. favourite lyric, in the second verse, I think, it says, my name is Weeple, I've got a box full of your toys, they're fresh out of batteries, but they're still making noise. Making noise. <laughs> so Weeple, Weeple was their childhood sled. I don't know okay. if you knew that. So, and no, I did not. No, this is all new to me. So when the first verse, when it's my name is Jonas, you know, thanks and all the rest of it, that's like the verse to say, nah, we're not going to help you. Da, da, da. And then the second one is him sort of saying to his brother, look, we've been here for a long time. We're brothers all the rest of it and, you know, as you get older, you have to be a bit more mature and, and this, this verse about I've got a box full of your toys, they're fresh out of batteries, so but they're still making noise because you're still thinking about the good times. You know, when you're innocent, before work just drained your day every fucking day, you're in this routine, yep. you don't have the time for yourself. So, yes. And it shares a lot of similarities with Surf Wax in that regard too as a track. It's another Fantastic. one of those soft, heavy, soft, heavy, you know, pulsing songs pixie pixie-esque kind of track but this is such a cool choice dude like i i'm so happy it's in your five again it was one that it was floating around towards my five but um look i'm surprised it's this high but i i can't knock it it's a fantastic Mm. song here's a little bit of my name is jonas and then we're coming in to the big one the big the zenith Come sit next to me, boy. 
All righty. Number two done and dusted. That just leaves number one for both of us now. As I said before the break, I'm like, I literally, I'm dumbfounded. I, I don't know what Chippy's going to pick here. So, mate, reel it off. Surprise me. Number one. Okay, well, Tony, I'm tired. So tired oh. of denying it any longer. This is this is my favourite Weezer song and has been for a while. It's not a popular choice, right? And I'm I'm sweaty. I'm not trying to be contrarian. But I find it the most honest and raw work from these guys. And it is... Tired of Sex. Tired of Sex. <laughs> from Pinkerton. Another album I'm glad opener? you got the little... Uh, the little uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, so tired. That's, that's another yeah. album opener, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's Two the first track on Pinkerton. And look, it, it was always... For me, the mission statement of that album, like it's it's a really raw, mm. angry song. It's probably the angriest I've ever sounded, and that's why I love it. It, it, it covers things like the, the I'll say forced celibacy, more like just his his choice to be celibate, <laughs> um, because he was being a bit of a jerk, a bit of a sex pest. But it was also, you know, there's um, moments in it that refer to the exhaustion and the frustration and the writer's block and the pressure that comes from following up. Mm. A massive album like the Blue Album, you know, he sarcastically claims throughout the song about his sex life being incredible when it was just the opposite at the time of this song. Is that's when he was going through those those phases of of you know introspection and 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 keeping himself sex free for a while. But it's yeah, it's just such a raw track, and it's one that you know I overlooked for years. I always liked it and loved it. But when I started to think about the songs that I loved about Weezer, I went back to the same old usual suspects. And then I reckon it was back when you and I started really making heaps of lists and sharing them probably, what was that, like eight, nine years ago yeah, now? Yeah, at least. When I was going back and, and, and heavily going through my, my yearly favourites and I'm like, what's my favourite song from Pinkerton? Went through and I'm like, well, it's actually Tired of Sex. And then I listened to it a few more times. I'm like, hang on a second, this is probably my favourite song from that entire year. And then I started comparing it to how I enjoyed other Weezer tracks and it just comes out on top. And I think it's because of that anger. And it's I've never heard Rivers sound like this, give or take maybe a couple of moments in Say It Ain't So. There's a moment early in the song, it's just after a minute, that 105 or something like that, he, his voice like breaks. He, he's, he's, he's like screaming, whoa, like this right at the start of the song. And it just really sticks out. And in... It's just, a, yeah, it, like I said, it was a mission statement for this entire album. It was it was to let you know that we're not in, we're not in Kansas anymore. We're not doing the Blue Album <laughs> on, on this one, right? Yeah. This is a totally different beast. And again, you know, it, it saddens me that they were almost bullied into not repeating an album like this again. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are moments of, of introspection and, and, and experimentation on things like Maladroit, but that was a pretty subpar album, topped mm-hmm. at the start to finish. You know, and the green album that came after this was them basically, you know, saying shit. The audience didn't receive it that well. The critics hated Pinkerton. Let's just do Blue Album 2.0. But by then, a lot of the magic had gone. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, tired of sex, man. Just, just an incredible, incredible track. Really angry, and it's just again, it's just you know, got blistering guitars. I love it. Absolutely love it. That's my favourite song from these guys. When I listened to it last week. The fact that I'd actually done a little bit of digging and I finally understood the shit that Rivers went through with 
his leg and college and the girls and all the rest of it. Like, I absolutely, know, I, I know, I know. Absolutely. Like, no one can go around and research every single band's history and all the rest to better understand. But for me, like, I was, I felt blessed that I'd actually taken a little bit of time and understood that you know this was pretty vile time for him and he's well, come it. back and context context is key too man like you know, like you said you can't expect everyone to go around and do research on every song no. that like but you know having that context this just opened up the album for you and it opened it up for me as mm. well you know but yeah he he was in depression like severe depression for for like three or four years after the critics canned it so good that it, it's come back with a vengeance for him i'm so happy about it that the, the reclamation of pinkerton just it just Absolutely makes makes me so happy as a uh, a long standing uh, like massive fan. Let's throw on some tired of sex. What do you reckon? I'd, I'd throw it on just probably thirty seconds in, and just I just want people to hear that just scream that he does at like a minute ten or something, whatever it is. Like it's just it's 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 like visceral. Yep. It's something unlike they've that you'd never heard from these guys before. So yeah, okay. Um, I reckon around from thirty seconds onwards, mate. So, number one for Holsch left, and as per what I mentioned before, and hence why we didn't play any special moment when uh, Chippy's number two was Say It Ain't So, that's because it's my number one. Now, this has been in my top ten songs basically for my last two decades, more, three decades. It's just consistently been my top ten of all time. And for me, it is an anthem of sorts. I probably didn't understand how sad it was until um, the, the last decade or so. But the way that Rivers sings this song, the emotion that, that comes out of it, and you know, it has a real emphasis on alcoholism with it. And the thing I always picture when I this song starts with that guitar at the beginning is I always picture one beer in the fridge. Now, I know that's probably <laughs> not the case of what he saw, but you know it, it's revolved around him opening the fridge and he saw that there was beer in there and his stepdad hadn't drank for a long time and he, he knew then and there that his mum and his stepdad were going to break up. They were going to have a divorce. And it makes him reflect on his biological dad who drank a lot and it led to divorce as well. 
So he is going through this um, Groundhog Day. Man, the big start-stop guitar riff that you know basically mimics the drum beat. It's it's just bloody epic. And you know you love a song when you've heard it so many hundreds of times and you still hear it like it's fresh. And that's It never gets old. It just never gets old, this song. Timeless. But, um, yeah, that for, but going back to that beer, like, I, I, I don't know. That's how many, a great pickup that you made too. That, that's, yeah, absolutely. That, that Dear Daddy yep. verse that, you, you know, says it really explodes. Like, I didn't really understand for so many years, so I reckon 20 years, I didn't know what the first line was. I was, I was singing something, but it wasn't the words. And, you know, the words are, somebody's Heine, as in Heineken, is crowding my icebox. Somebody's yep. cold one is giving me chills. Guess I'll just close my eyes and try to forget about it. So That's like, haunting, man. That oh, is just so dark. I would like to play, and I, I, if you will agree with me, with since it's your number two, I, I really want to base our little snippet around the Dear Daddy verse. I just think it's, it's too special. That's where the song just starts to just explode. Yeah. That is just an incredible moment. So, yeah, go for it. Okay, so there you have it. Say It Ain't So and Tired of Sex, our two number ones to round up episode two, Weezer. I have literally had the best time tonight having Chippy on board. Uh, mate, I never get sick of chatting with you. Mate, I had a great time and I'm just um, really chuffed that you would think of me um, to, to, to come onto your program and to, especially to talk about Weezer. I love this band and love talking to you too, dude. I'm looking forward to next time we... Uh, Get to Chinwag. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Um, if you love this episode, please subscribe. Also, join our Facebook group. So join Holsh Fidelity because we'll put up snippets of everyone's top fives and also some links to Spotify playlists, which will update the top fives that come out each week. Apart from that, we will be online again next week. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. Until next time, I hope you enjoy our playlist. See ya.